welcome to the Breaking Wax Podcast. All right, so today I'm super pumped. Uh, we have my good friend, John. Uh, he goes by J. Rue Sports Cards. Um, that's going to be our guest on today's podcast, and um, it should be a really good conversation about sports, the hobby, um, and just whatever, wherever the conversation takes us. John, did you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely, everybody. I am John Rutledge. I have started J. Rue Sports Cards in November of 2019. I have been collecting since 1989, which was started by my older brother. He is 13 years older than me. So that was kind of my first introduction to the hobby, which was, as I mentioned to Don speaking throughout the week, was the 1989 flare with King Griffey, which I think actually correlates with a, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing you know, with 2019 NBA, with, with the Zion Williamson draft and just some of other, those other guys. But let me first say thanks to Don, a.k.a. Bracken, Breaking Wax, for giving me this opportunity. Um, the people that have come on for the previous episodes, I have dealt with everybody in one form or fashion, whether it be, you know, trades, selling, buying. I have dealt with, you know, Brandon. I've dealt with Justin. Um, so this is this is actually kind of cool to be able to get on here and give some of my thoughts and opinions and just how I see the hobby in relations to the world around us. Um, the last thing is that I am in the wholesale distributor business. So a lot of the supply and demand with my daily surroundings is something that I can, you know, put into what is going on with the sports card industry. Yeah. And I think, um, I've said it a few times, like the show hasn't been too technical, but I think it's definitely been filled with good information. And, you know, have you ever, have you ever done a podcast or recorded one before for work or about the hobby? I have not done any podcast. The only things that I've been involved in are, are preparing for Zoom meetings and getting, <laughs> you know, group of like 30 to 40 people up and running right. and, you know, kind of putting it together. So similar, but, but different. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think for me, um, so you and I used to be in a group chat on Instagram called Cardboard Mafia. Um, and it was a pretty robust group of people. I mean, I think even at one time we had Phil Hughes in there, but there was always really good information being passed and good conversation. So, uh, I, and I really actually enjoyed that chat um, or that group chat, but I just always thought like, man, maybe we should start recording some of this information or conversations and I enjoy it. Maybe other people enjoy it too. You know what I mean? Oh no. I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I actually have listened to the episodes on my my drive into work, um, a little bit over my lunch break and on my drive home. So the length of time that you're doing the podcast surrounding my daily habits and what I'm doing is, is actually perfect. It gives me a little time to uh, unwind and kind of get my, my mind off of the daily stresses that go along with work. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because I, I've only listened to podcasts that our friends or people I know, if they do a podcast, I'll listen to it. Um, listen to Joe Rogan every once in a while. I actually really like um, the the podcast that, gosh, I can't remember his name. Quentin Richardson does. That one's a good one. It's like a basketball one. But um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's fun to do. I like doing it. I like having the conversations. But you, you said you started collecting in 89. That's correct. That right? So what, yes, what, I guess when, when you first got into collecting, and this is good because, you know, I had Lane on two weeks ago. And for whatever reason, I thought Lane was older. And that's not a, a diss to him. I just thought maybe his collecting went back a lot further than it did and it still does go back pretty far in consideration compared to a lot of collectors nowadays but so in 89 who were you going after well in in 89 that's when my brother would he was buying and selling so he would open basically in bulk and then he was showing me how to basically build sets Okay. So we would make sure that we had at least one complete set. And then he would basically take the bigger hits at the time, which, gosh, man, I, I always say King Griffey, but I know even like a Will Clark or Ryan Sandberg or some of the, even the common cards at that time were, were selling for like three to $5, whereas you're paying, you know, 50 to 99 cents for a pack of cards at a gas station. So it's just completely different, you know, how you could pick up cards back in those days. I mean, you just walk into any store, whether it's a grocery store, a gas station. Um, I do remember having local card stores, your your LCSs um, that we would quite, you know, visit quite often. But it's just, you know, how, how it evolves and how it changes and how you have e-commerce and involved with things and it's i mean it's always changing right I mean, it's it's getting better they're implementing different things with you know serial number cards and you have you know a sapphire edition which adds some of the older inserts and then they start you know doing the color schemes and you know giving you a chance to chase rainbows whereas you know when i first started it was basically just the base set so you right. were chasing the base set. There were no inserts. You had, like, I remember collecting stickers of the Braves because all I wanted was a Brave sticker. So my whole, you know, house and my notebooks and everything was covered in the stickers. Or even, you know, going back before that, it was a, a stick of gum. You know, the collectors didn't even want the sports cards. Right. So, I mean, there was no telling where the hobby could go. I mean, I still think we're really in the in the infant stages with, you know, where it could basically be ranked as far as like an asset management tool. Right. Know, moving forward, like, hey, I've got, you know, three PSA 10 Michael Jordans in my, you know, investment portfolio. Where do we put this? You know, when I'm filling out a, a will or when I'm trying to break up, you know, things that are going to be passed down to my children. I mean, right. people weren't thinking about that when they were opening up a Topps 1952 hit a Mickey Mantle rookie card. But no, in today's, today's world, that's where people are starting to go. But you're you're seeing it from across a wide spectrum of age ranges. Whereas, you know, before it was really, you know, kind of the middle-aged, lower-aged people are involved. But, man, I'm... I'm buying and selling with kids that are 12 and 13 years old nowadays and they're hustling. <laughs> I mean, they're really oh, getting yeah. it. I mean, it's crazy. The type of investment these, these younger kids are building up just from a hobby. So yeah, that's where yeah. I get excited. I, I think it's, I mean, you brought up a, a lot to kind of unpack there. So I think some of the things that I, I picked up on and I wrote down real quick was like, 
I think the essence and the spirit of the hobby, even from 1989, right, to now is still there. Like you said, you know, 99 cent pack, you got a couple cards in there worth a couple bucks and you would sell them or move them or make the sets. And it's same now. I mean, now we're talking tens, hundreds, thousand dollar cards. Um, I think them being an asset is definitely more tangible now than ever. Um, and we've talked about it on the podcast a few times where the ROI and cards, especially the last two years has been insane. But I think people talking about the crash and the correction. Um, I think people are kind of still losing sight that, uh, you know, that PSA 10 Jordan, what did that sell for over a hundred thousand this week? I know it was 400,000, right? But I mean, God, we're still talking about a hundred thousand dollars for, a piece of cardboard with uh, Michael Jordan on it, right? So uh, I think, you know, we'll look back on this COVID, this COVID sci-fi movie and, and think to ourselves, like, man, that was a wild time because people didn't know where to put their money. And so, you know, the card market was on fire. Still pretty damn good. I mean, I was just looking this week. I got the uh, Jason Dominguez speckle to two ninety nine Bowman first auto back and, I paid a thousand dollars for it raw from Brandon. Um, PSA ten. I think the last one sold for five grand a month ago, and the cheapest one on eBay seventy five hundred bucks. So I mean, that's still that's still enough money to buy a used car or all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? So it's nothing to sneeze at. Even even though we're having a correction, it's really it's nothing to sneeze at at all. Um, and what you wow. said with the kids, I think it's uh, it's funny because I always know when I'm dealing with a younger collector or seller because man they they sure do take a hard line with their prices and what they want as far as comps go i don't know if you've noticed that oh i have and it's believe it or not it's actually helped me because you know i want to give somebody a better deal so even if the comp says 100 bucks and and i'm gonna know what i have in the card so i'm immediately gonna say 75 or 60 and right. then typically it's sold right off the bat. And I've had instances where, you know, it's a collector like me on the other side and they're like, man, that's way too low. Let's do 85 shipped. So right. that's where, you know, you start to see, you know, the different people, even though it's a different person, a lot of people still have the same mindset, but if you can still take that straight narrow line and, you know, implement that not only in the hobby, but in what you're doing outside of the hobby, if it's not what you do on a daily basis, it's only going to make you better in your, in your daily habits, you know, right. pick a point, pick a line, stay with it. You know, if you don't budge, you may not make the sell, but, and you know, at the same token, you want, if they want that amount, they're going to, you know, stick to that and try to get that. But the one thing, so if we go back to what you just said about the PSA 10, Michael Jordan, I can actually speak, directly to this car because I ended up buying two of these a BGS 8.5s for 700 bucks right back in 2010 and that was when I first got promoted to manager of a of a plumbing branch within my company so that right. was what I re rewarded myself with I said well hey man you know I'm going to get this type of increase let me go ahead and invest in these two cards well, I did one with the at 36 J Rue where I made the mistake with the Raz, but yep. that was $5,000 and I actually sold one prior for a little bit less. But I think, you know, that, that particular card was way too low. Right. Like I understand 
you know, in 2010, the hobby wasn't kicking like it was, but I was like, man, this card, there's no way it should be selling for this much. So I actually started with Facebook at, at that time period. And I was talking to people and getting into different groups and, you know, trying to buy, sell and trade it. I didn't really stick with it. I didn't really do a good job, but a guy had posted a Clayton Kershaw booming first auto. Um, I think it was maybe a refractor number to 499 with a couple other cards, which this may have been in 2012. And I said, Hey, would you consider, you know, a Michael Jordan BGS 8.5 for all of these cards? And the only reason I said that was because I had two of them. So now right. one was, you know, already a capital gain. I could turn it into some different cards and without a doubt, no hesitation, the guy said yes. So I was like, well, let me check eBay before I do this. And then that's when I check eBay. I'm like, oh my gosh, this card's already selling for 1500 to 2000 Do I sell the card now? Do I hold? Do I trade? And that was kind of my first real look at, at you know, where can this hobby go? Because going back to 1989 into 2019, I had every single card that I had ever opened that I did not trade. Wow. So, I'm, I mean, I've got in storage... 200,000 cards, which I have no clue what's even in the boxes because it's been so long since I really went back into the storage and dug everything out. Wow. So every, everything that I have tangible to my hands is anything that at one point was worth $10 or more or that I have previously just opened. So, I, so we pulled up. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say, I, I, I always, hear these stories from you and i just it's unbelievable because don't you have don't is it you or is it justin that have a bunch of comic books too it's probably both of you you guys are both like i collect okay so you didn't do the comic books at all well i did i i have like 50 to 100 comic books but i did not stick with the comic books like justin did i got you i got you but still i mean every all the cards though that's crazy yeah I mean, I really just, I started donating them to my LCS to give out to the kids starting in 2019, 2020. So I really just started. And I mean, I was giving away the big United States post office box away. Every time I went, I've probably given away four to five of them. Wow. And I mean, it's semi stars, it's some stars, but you know, once you get five to 10 of the same card, you know, I want the kids to be able to enjoy those. I mean, that's so, so if I really look at, at you know, the hobby and, and what, like I've always wanted to open up a card store. Like that right. has been my number one goal since I was nine years old, eight or nine years old. Like that's all I ever wanted to do. But one of the things that I started doing about, so my, my nephew, who's also on Instagram, we started opening cards when he was nine years old. And one of my favorite things about that is he could barely hold the pack of cards in his hands. So I would sit there and I'd be like, oh my gosh, man. And, and instead of like taking the pack from him and open it for him, I would just let him figure out how to open the packs and like try to teach him the proper ways. Like if you hit a good card, you got to put it in a sleeve and you got to put it in a top loader. So, you know, if you think about that for a nine-year-old, you're not only you know, joining a hobby, but you're learning how to, you know, care and protect for something. 
So when, when I look at the hobby, if you, if you have an investment, you want to protect it. So if you're, if you can teach a nine to a 13, 14, 15 year old, you know, Hey, if you hit a, a blue Bowman first auto in anybody, whether you think they're good or not, you need to protect that investment. So, I mean, it's so many different things for me. And that was where, you know, as we were building sets when I was seven years old, you know, we're putting them in, in the protective boxes. So, you know, caring for the cards, trying to take care of them, which of course I ruined a majority of my Michael Jordans and my Del Murphy's because, you know, just a base card, not really thinking anything about it, but, you know, for instance, 1992 upper deck, you know, the first upper deck, Michael Jordan, that card in a PSA 10 shot up to like 220, 250 bucks. At wow. one time, I probably had 20 to 30 of those cards. So it's just, yeah, not necessarily knowing what you have when you're opening up cards. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's probably the biggest difference between when we were kids and now is like what you said with the Bowman stuff. It's like, if you get any decent autographs or color, you might as well hold on to it. I mean, <clears throat> speaking of prospects, Wander um, had his debut tonight, Wander Franco, and it looks like he's doing pretty damn good. He's already got a home run and three RBIs in his first start. So looking, looking pretty good for Wander so far. Um, I, I don't even have, I don't even, I don't, I think I have some wander at PSA, but no autos. Um, but I sold all mine, which I'm good with. Cause you know, I, uh, I paid God, what I, I buy, I bought both Bowman first. There was a speckle and a refractor for, I think 12 to 1500 a piece and sold them for four grand a couple months ago each. So I, I'm good with my investment on wander Franco, but, um, what I wanted to ask you so though now, was because, go ahead. So now that you, so when you when you sold those and you had that investment money, what did you turn that money into? That's what that's what I want to know. What did you turn Wander into? Um, I actually, I think I bought a bunch of comic books, and then what else did I do? Um, I actually think is. I'd have to look. So, I mean, I keep track of everything, but I want to say I bought comic books with it and maybe so, kept the, kept the wife happy and gave her some money. And exactly. Yeah. So what you did so, is you diverse, you diversified your investment portfolio and as well as cards, you started to add comic books. And the number one thing was keeping the wife happy. Oh yeah. So that's where, that's where I can go back. And, and what I started seeing with cards is, is my wife kept saying, well, I want to do this to the house and I want to, let's do an outdoor kitchen. And I was like, well, tell me how much an outdoor kitchen is. And at the right. time she didn't know what I was doing. Well, all of a sudden she came back to me and she gave me the price and I said, okay, I should be able to get that to you within two to three days. And she just looks at me like, what, what are you going to do? So right. I sold a couple of cards, didn't tell her what I did, came home and handed her the cash. And I was like, hey, here, Go build your outdoor kitchen. We don't have to pull any money out of any accounts. It's coming from my hobby and my investments. So at one right. time, my wife was not basically on board with me collecting cards with grown men on them. But yep. she has now come to understand the value of the cards when I do sell them. And that's where I think 
she struggles is because I'll say, well, this card is worth X amount. And she's like, well, did you sell it? And I'm like, well, no. And she goes, well, it's not worth that amount until you sell it. So right, that's where right. it is a, is a collector that has just learned about selling his collection to do different things, whether it be diversifying into comic books, diversifying into the stock market, um, diversifying into any different outlet where you can try to get a, a different you know, investment. And I like to call it an asset portfolio because those things will change like sports cards in 2018 for my asset portfolio would have probably been number 15. Right. You still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. You Yeah. Not yet. No, I did buy, I want to say I did buy cryptocurrency too with it, but, um, which that's, on a downward slide right now, but it, I mean, if you're in crypto long enough, which I've been in crypto for quite a while, um, it's an up and down game. But I, I, I do want to circle back though, because um, you've mentioned it a few times. So you guys, you and your brother started collecting sets. Do you still collect sets? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at the the last set I built was the 2020 Tops Foil Board number to 284, and that was a grind. That is probably the hardest set I've ever attempted in my life. So what did that run you? Oh gosh, I would have to, I actually have it all down. I know exactly what I spent, but I didn't add it up yet. Do you, so do I you, do grade, know, did you grade those or did you, cause I mean, there's some nah, good players in that set. No, it's absolutely 100% raw. When I, when I build sets, I do not do any, any slabs. No BGS, no PSA. It's all raw. I Are do know the penny, most expensive. Penny sleeves? Oh, yeah. Definitely in penny okay. sleeves. Every single one. The the cards that are basically $2 and less are in penny sleeves and anything $2 and more is in a, in a top loader as well. So I, I don't think I ever told you this, but I so I, I've always been impressed with the people that build the sets. Like you built the set. I think Riggins, um, Riggins cards. He's a, he's another guy that builds the sets. And so I, I picked a random prospect. It was uh, Greg Jones. Um, he's actually a Tampa Bay shortstop. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to build the rainbow. John J. Rue built the Alex Manoa rainbow. And I don't know if you ever finished that one, but. I got so, all the way down to the red refractor number five. So with Jones, I got all the way down to, what was I missing? I think it was an orange which is what 25, right? 25, and then, uh, correct. So, so I was down to the orange, the red, and of course the one-on-one, the black, which I don't know if I would ever get, but like the price difference at, from like a blue Greg Jones at the time was like a hundred bucks or 150 bucks for a graded one. Right. And then the guys that had the orange and the red wanted like thousands of dollars. And I was just, it was like so frustrating to me because I'm like, this guy, is nobody essentially he's not worth anything if his blues are selling for 150 bucks graded and i could not get anyone to budge or even consider i think the same card just still on ebay for thousands of dollars i mean kudos to them for holding tight but that that was the start of me building the set and that's where it ended see that's that's where circling back to alec manoa that's where i got lucky because i actually hit the orange auto out of 25 and I had hit okay. so many of the other ones that I was like, well, man, maybe I should just go ahead and, and try to build it. And I can, 
I can honestly say that's the least amount of money I think going, even though he was drafted 11th overall. And to go back, just to tell everybody, the reason why I collected Alec Manoa is because I was born and raised in West Virginia, and I'm a huge WVU fan. And I got to watch him pitch in the regionals. And um, I can't remember if they made it to the super regionals, but that was that was one where where I really just kind of lashed onto him, which I once I remembered who he was, and that's right. really just how the rainbow started. But I ended up selling those after his first start against the Yankees on eBay, and I want to say my total profit was around four grand, and I still have the orange, I still have both blues. And I still have the refractor. Damn. So all the ones that I was willing to part with based off of knowing what I know in the hobby, I still have, except for the red. I did get rid of the red refractor. Wow. But yeah, that ended up being a crazy turn. I mean, I was paying, I think for the gold wave, I paid 70 bucks and then was able to turn it graded in a 9.5 i think it went for about eight eight or nine hundred right so i mean just a crazy man and i know everybody says don't invest in pitchers but i guess every once in a while you get lucky yeah i mean every once in a while which is weird like because there's some really good pitchers um that you would think would demand some sort of demand or top dollar and they just don't it's like the weirdest thing to me that was like uh I forget who I was chasing Wander pretty hard. They ended up with a bunch of raised pitchers, um, and they're just sitting in a box in penny sleeves, not even in top litters, but it's like every color you could think of just sitting in a cardboard box in my closet somewhere. <laughs> hoping oh, for hoping so for the funny. same thing. Well, you gotta get on some air, man. Get them out of that closet. Well, I get so I know you're you're a big PC guy too, and it seems like you you're like uh, by default you just if you like a, a certain player you just collect it to all ends of the earth. Who's your who's your major PC right now? I know Acuna is right. Anybody else, or is it just Acuna mostly? No, the the Braves PC is actually getting getting way larger. So it goes Acuna. Albies, Freddie Freeman, Chipper Jones, and Del Murphy. So Del Murphy okay. was my my favorite player um, growing up, and and I started. So I actually have two of his one on one cards, and and that kind of wow. started my my Del Murphy collection. I would chase autos on eBay, um, but it, it's kind of crazy, man. Like I would I would get frustrated when I went wouldn't win an autograph at like twenty to twenty five. And then here I am chasing, you know, similar Del Murphy autos, and and I'm looking at 75 for 100, you know, and I'm like, wow. good gosh, man, I wish I would have, you know, snagged up every single Del Murphy auto at 20 instead of, you know, letting people, you know, outbid me on eBay. But that's that's kind of the baseball collection. I have, you know, probably like one auto each of of some of the young stars. I don't really. PC anybody but the Braves. Right. And then I also do um, South Carolina and West Virginia graduates in the NFL. Uh, my biggest PC would be Debo Samuel. And then I also do the Washington Redskins, which I luckily I did not go after Haskins. 
something something just did not click with me and Haskins, but I, I went pretty strong after Antonio Gibson, Chase Young, and and Terry McLaurin. Um, basketball, I mean, it's I, all CQ. Still CQ. I, still so I CQ. have a. I, I have a Haskins waiting for you still. I get that select uh, number to 10. I know. You keep, Just... you keep trying to get me to take it every time. <laughs> it's still, uh... I still got it. I'm still, I mean, I, gosh, I, I feel like some of these guys get a raw deal. I, I have no idea with Haskins. I hope he goes to Pittsburgh and learns from, learns how to play football from Big Ben. And, uh, but that's about it, right? <laughs> well, I can, I can kind of combat that right off right off the bat because Riverboat Ron had Cam Newton. And a lot of people, you know, when Cam first came in, they did not like Cam. But Ron Rivera stuck with him, you know, even through the bad, even through his growing pains. So when, when Ron came to Washington and decided to bench Haskins, that's when I, my mind clicked and I was like, oh my gosh, I made the right decision. Because if right. anybody's gonna gonna gamble and let a young player grow, and I mean that goes beyond like I live in South Carolina, so I'm very familiar with the Carolina Panthers, even though I'm a Redskins fan. So right. you know, if you look at a lot of the younger players within the Panthers organization over the past six, seven years, I mean these weren't huge names, but they all you know, became really good within the Panthers organization. So once he made that decision with Haskins and Cutting, it, it made me feel better about my decision, which I had a small personal collection, but it was, I kept it, you know, affordable. I didn't go after a lot of the, you know, higher dollar cards or, or anything like that. What, what do you think, how many Cunhas do you have? I have two two row boxes, completely Acuna. One is full of slabs, and one is still Rawls, rookies numbered, SPs. Independence Day is my favorite, so I probably have, I'd say about ten to twenty Acuna Independence Days right now. That's kind of what I've been focusing my time on. The rookies are just over the last Every, couple of years. Everything. My my favorite card is the tops twenty twenty one top series one where he's full out sliding into the base, which I thought about trying to do the rainbow of that one, but I haven't I haven't fully committed to that idea yet. Do you have the um the twenty twenty one numbered one? The which which twenty twenty one? The one that's numbered to 2021. The, the gold, gold. I don't. Nope. I, I got one for you. That's awesome. I, it's, See, now, but you, I'm, now you're going to make me do it. <laughs> I, and <laughs> I, I'm trying to think. I don't want to tell you I have the Independence Day one because it might be somebody somebody else, but I'll double check. I don't think I have the – I think it's somebody else, but I know I have the gold one for sure. I definitely already have two of the Independence Day. Okay, that's that's I'll like my favorite. Any any Brave with an Independence Day, I'm I'm almost sold. I've been kind of following. I almost I think I just lost a Camargo one because I didn't hit buy it now on eBay. I was a little bummed mm. about that one. 
Do you still have that black label? Yes. The black label has, has made it through, you know, the different times of posting and I don't know if it'll leave. That's kind of kind of a, a cool card to I mean I think what is it, nineteen is where it's at as the total population yeah. report, which I was going after the pink refractor, but the guy that I was best offering with wanted about three to four hundred more than I was willing to pay, which looking back on it now, I'm kicking myself because I should have just bit the bullet the budget that I was trying to stay with them. Right. Yeah, oh, man. Gosh, I don't. I'm trying. To, I like. I my collection has just shifted and changed so much. Like I, I always. I never know like what I want or what I want to keep anymore. And then the last couple of months, I've kind of settled on. And it started with you when I when I got the uh, the Brady from you. I just I want to get PSA nine or tens if it's even possible in the stratosphere of like. I still need a LeBron rookie. I need a Jordan rookie in any grade. Um, the lo- you mean the one lowest... that I just got in the mail today? You need that one? I do need that one. <laughs> um, oh. uh, dude, I cannot, I cannot believe, like, so I, I was the first person to hit that person up and was like, I can pay this much right now. And, uh, and they're like, okay, cool. Let me get back to you. And I was like, cool. And then all of a sudden you were like, I just got this. And I was like, no, <laughs> but I'm trying to so get a, crazy. the thing is though, with like the, the goats, I'll call them right. It's like, I don't mind a lower grade. Like that nine would be awesome to have in the PC. Cause I said it before, like with comic, with comic books and that stuff, it's like, I won't be tempted to like, if it was a 10, then in the back of my mind, I would always think to myself, like I can move this for a substantial amount of money. Not that the nine isn't, but then, you know, so that thought's always there of like, I could really use this asset for other things or move it into other things. Um, well, that's I'm, where, that's where you need to take the, um, card stash 23 approach. So if yeah. you have a card in a, in a 8.5 or a nine, what he will typically do is he is he will sell enough in that particular card to then be able to bump the grade, so to speak. And that's kind of one of the cool things that I learned from Tim was, hey, I've got these Jordans and an 8.5. And he's like, man, you could you could even lump those two together, you know, sell those and, and upgrade to a PSA nine. And, you know, looking back, it's like, man, I really wish I would I would do a better job of you know, as we spoke, using the investment pieces that you have to bump that particular card instead of, you know, losing the card and then looking back later and be like, man, I really regret not keeping a goat. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the one thing with Brady. Like, if it wouldn't have been for Okuna, there's no way that Brady's leaving. Yeah. No, and I, so, and that's, it goes back to my two biggest mistakes after getting back into collecting cards was I should have bought that Jordan 8.5 from you when you asked me. And then I should not have sold that PSA nine Jordan rookie sticker that I had. I should have kept that thing. I mean, that, that was, so, I mean, the pack pack profit bought it from me for 3000 bucks. I think a couple months ago, it's come down since, but I think he traded it for a Luca or $30,000. So that was, 
that was my biggest blunder. And the and the the worst part about it is, is I remember telling my wife was like, I just won this in a Raz. Um, should I keep it or sell it? I think I can get like three grand for it right now, and I only paid like fifty bucks for this Raz. And she was like, Oh, you should sell it. And then fast forward when I told her how much it got traded or sold for, she was like, Why would you ever sell that thing? And I was like, You know. <laughs> It's not really worth the conversation right now or to even talk about it. So Oh, I love it, man. That's that's the joy of it. I mean, if you can if you can make the and, and that's where I think a lot of us have done a good job with people that I speak with on a daily basis. If we, you know, make profit on a card, we're okay with it. And then right. I really I really don't ever check the comps on cars except for the BGS eight point five Jordan. When that thing got up to 19,000, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, do you know what I could have done with $19,000 on two cards? Right. Each, each. Right. But at the time, you know, everything happens. I, I made a profit and I reached out to the winner of the RAS and they still have the card. So don't know if it's still true today, but they're like, hey, if you ever want it back, I'm like, nah, man, that's your card now. I think that's kind of, yeah, no, I, I just, I know, um, like there's, there's guys like Brandon that are, um, like he never looks back, right. He, he makes his deal. He takes his profit. He moves into something else and he never looks back. He never thinks about it twice. For me, like I, I do think about it. Um, I don't really look back, but Growing up as a kid, we didn't have a lot of money, um, so there was, like, things I wanted, whether it was, like, the Jordan sneakers, the cards, and then, so as I've gotten older and I'm, I'm able to spend money and buy the things I wanted when I was a kid, it, it does have, like, a certain sentimental value to me, so it's hard for me to move stuff sometimes, even if I'm, I want to or I know it's not something I really want or need. Um, and that's, that's been my hardest transition over the last year is trying to figure out like what it is that I truly want for my collection to keep and hold on to forever, where it's not going to be a question of like, I'll just move this instantly. Um, I think that's the biggest difference between like Brandon and I is that I, I, I don't like to, I don't think Brandon right price. Um, and that's, that's who he is. You know, he's, he's always thinking about the next move. I think there's certain things that I don't know. I would say everything has a price, but it'd be harder for me to let go of certain things. I mean, I can, I can definitely see that. I mean, you know, for me, and I know a lot of people that deal with me, it's, it's a majority of me buying uh, or the, the rare trades when I will trade, but, you know, I haven't really sold that much. Like, right. and if I have, it's it's really been a bigger card. And then I just kind of take the bigger card and I turn it into a, a bunch of smaller cards. I mean, for instance, right. I went into my my local card store, which is Coastal Sports Cards, which they do have an Instagram account. You guys can go follow them. But I went in there on Saturday with the... Austin Martin green number to 99 and two other cards. And I told myself, whatever, whatever he gives me for this, I will, I will turn it back into, you know, some wax or some retail boxes that I can open when I get home. 
So he gives me, you know, two two seventy five for three cards. I turn around and I, I give the money right back. And I get two boxes that hopefully the nephew and I'll get to open tomorrow. So, I mean, it's just different ways that you can grow. And it's just, right. I mean, it's just amazing with what I have, you know, been a part of being a collector since 89 and getting all the way, you know, even 2000 when I was a senior in high school, dude, I was going to every single local card store and buying all the upper deck golf that they had because I knew that the Tiger Woods number one card was going to sell for a good bit of money. So that's where I kind of look at the market and I actually forgot about that until just now, but that's, it's like in every 10 to 20 years, there's always something that will, will peak the, the interest of the hobby. I mean, right. and that's kind of, even if you look at now the soccer cards, I mean, I actually watch soccer and know a good bit about, you know, the leagues and the divisions and the players, but man, I never saw the potential for a lot of the hockey or soccer cards. And then there you go. There's hockey. What, what is it? McDavid? Yep. Oh, I'm crying. I just saw somebody post on Twitter four amazing Ronald Acuna cards. And they said, we'll trade for McDavid. And I'm just like, man, if I would have just listened to Brandon and, and even great pulls and pulled the trigger and, and done some of these, I could have added Acuna cards that are kind of out of my price range. But if I would have, have seen that investment at a very small price point, the five and $10,000 cards. So it's, it's amazing, you know, across different, sports and avenues of, of how you can you know even grow in a kuna collection i mean hey, you look at the court if you want to if you want to get into some hockey i got some great hockey that i would and i got some zions i don't know what you're looking for but i do have some i would over trade for that lebron right now <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, if you if you want to throw, which I, I am not as big on Zion as as many, but right. that's my that's my nephew's favorite card. So anything anything well, Zion, I'm always willing to trade. But I end up giving it to him anyway. Well, yeah, I don't know if you want to give him all these cards, but it, man, you know what? When we're done with this, I'm going to send you a bunch of pictures. That's and, awesome. and I and and I would and I would over trade because. Uh, What's that LeBron going for? I honestly I haven't I haven't even looked, but I did look at the card and it is yeah. not a nine. This it's card not is not a nine. No. I don't know how he got an eight point five surface. So this is a possible crack in expedite through PSA. Oh you think it's in better condition? It's I I think it's it's got a chance at a at a PSA ten, I believe. So I so just check the corners because I remember when that that person had that card and it was it was raw and they sent pictures to the group chat. It looked like one of the corners was was ding pretty good, but now now you know I got this card in my hand, all right? Yeah, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to look it up right now. What what grade did he get a nine? 
the corner's got a nine five. It's on the surface. And I honestly believe it's it's just a, a wipe. I don't see any any indention, any specs. It's just a little bit of it's right there. So on the on the bowman you have the, the two chrome little areas. Yeah. It's got a little bit of like maybe a fingerprint. That's all I can see on this card. There's no indentions. It's I think it's cleaner than what it is. But I mean, even if it got a PSA nine, a PSA nine is gonna be a little little more value than a BGS nine. Yeah. Man, I'm trying to <clears throat> But it's got three nine fives. I mean that's that's crazy. That is crazy. So that card's interesting. Uh, I'm looking at comps now, of course, on uh, 130 point, and they're they're kind of all over the place, to be honest. It, it really is. That's that's why I didn't know what to to really value the card for. But I mean, that's where I kind of do things a little a little differently as well with my investing. Yep. Is that if, if somebody that I have been talking to for a very long time is in like, like, hey, I'm I'm in need, I've been furloughed or or I've lost my job, and they post cards, I buy them. Yeah, and and I don't really, I mean, I don't really, I try to do that more as a random act of kindness, even though I'm getting something back for the card, and that's actually how this LeBron came about is that when I bought the red refractor, it was kind of one of those situations where, hey, I've, I'm going to be furloughed for a month or, or however long it's going to be. Will you consider buying this? And I actually got the red less than, you know, what I could have done for raw, even when the product was being ripped. And then I ended up selling that same card back to them because they still had three of the red refractors. So now wow. they've got four. They're searching for the final one. And then I turned around and bought that card with somebody in the same situation. They were looking for additional income to be able to do something. So, I mean, I kind of, and then when you look at the cards, man, it's, it's rare cards, it's goats. It's so, I don't know. I kind of believe in karma a little bit more than most. Uh, try to always do the right thing, whether it's cards or in my everyday life, try to stay positive. But that's that's kind of, you know, as as, as we were there. You there? Yeah, I'm still here. You uh, got me again? Uh, yeah, yeah, I lost you for a second, but that's all right. Um, yeah, I mean, if you if you collect Zion, I'll, I'll send you some Zions. I got uh, I got some some base prism. I got a hollow, but it's a PSA nine optic. Um, we can work something out. I got a I got a little uh, Derek Jeter. That came in. Did you? Probably two to three weeks ago. I think I posted it. It is the upper deck foil. You're killing me. Oh, I see SP. it. Yeah, yeah I see it. <laughs> where, 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 did you buy that one or was that? Oh, man. Yes, I think that one came from Brad Bleacher Bomb Sports Cards. Him and well, I, he, we, he's He's been helping me with my Atlanta Braves collection. He he actually hit me up yesterday and was like um, saying that he'd like to come on the podcast, which I, I was like, yeah, I'll put you down on the list. I, that's a, I've been kind of 
I've been stoked. Like people have been reaching out, um, wanting to be on the podcast and wanting to come on and talk, which I think is amazing. Um, well, the, the cool thing about Brad is that him and I just kind of cross cross paths randomly. And that was during, he actually came on the cardboard mafia. Oh yeah, that's the, right. He was the, on there. The two role, the two, two roles were must be good people. And second role was must be good people. So that's right. kind of really all we did. And if we came across, you know, somebody that we thought would, you know, bring value and added thoughts to the group, we would add them. But that post that he did today with Eric at Insta trading cards, Eric was the first break that I ever did through Instagram. Yeah. Eric, uh, Eric's a really, really good guy. Um, exactly. So when I don't think that post today. I'm like, Oh my gosh, two of my favorites. That's <laughs> and they uh, get to go to a game together. I'm so jealous. That's a, uh, I mean, now that COVID's kind of like for the moment disappearing, I think, we should try to definitely set something up, at least with a few of the folks that were in that original group chat. Uh, maybe Absolutely. not the ones that have uh, conflicting opinions on stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I think for the most part, if we could get a, a group of guys together, that'd be cool to go to a game. Especially, um, I mean, the point was brought up to me tonight that no one goes to Tampa Bay Rays games at all. That's... So that would be an easy, easy game to go oh, to. Yeah. My sister-in-law lived down there. They went to games pretty easily. So, I mean, now that Wander's there, maybe we can uh, pretend like kids and see if he'll sign something. I'm down for Which, that. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, that's funny because Eric Eric mentioned or expressed wanting to come on the podcast, but we haven't been able to nail down a time or date yet. But I, I don't, I don't do breaks at all anymore except for with Eric at Insta Trading Cards or um, I'll do him with Lane uh, if he has like a filler. I, I like doing the there's whatever 10 teams left, 10, 10 spot filler. I, I like doing those because it's like, yeah. you know, worst case scenario you still get a team and I'm just not interested in paying top dollar for teams anymore although I, I have uh, and I'm a, I'll put this out to you too is when Prism Football and Select Football next year and Optic comes out with Trevor Lawrence on the Jags, I'll, I'll be down to do some investment stuff like we've done in the past or kind of pull some money together and do some breaks. I think that'd be worth the risk with this draft oh, yeah. class for sure. Killing me, man. You know, I, those Clemson Tigers is, is not somebody I want to chase. I know. I know. At all. It doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to just be him, but I'm in this, I'll, I'm in this I'll chase situation – where the Jags are always the lowest price in breaks. And then somebody like Minshew, people caught on to Minshew, the price gets jacked up. And then this last year, they were like the lo lowest, cheapest team available. And then for whatever reason, people were like, oh, James Robinson's good. Chenault's good. And the price went up. And I was like, no, they're not that good. And they're not worth paying top dollar for, for breaks because they're, doing good on a super shitty team so like don't invest your money in those guys but now That's now true. i think with trevor lawrence being there the number one pick and all his hype i'm i'm completely priced out of breaks so i have been as well i mean atlanta braves are always an expensive team uh, the redskins are usually usually up there around the middle to the more expensive and then the Pistons, who I was taking, 
were way too overvalued for me to to take them and keep chasing Siku. Yeah, for sure. I they mean, just got the I, number one pick tonight too, so good luck. I did see that. I did see that. But my like it's just crazy, man. Like the the breaks when we first started really November of twenty nineteen, Prism was twenty three dollars and you got one pick team and, and two randoms. Now I don't even I don't even I didn't even see really anybody doing one pick team and two randoms with like multiple boxes. I would see it with like one retail box. But trying to find, you know, where they did multiple teams and you picked one was a little tougher to find. Right. Yeah, I think um I talked about this a little bit with Lane, but uh, you know, like history repeats itself and I think everyone got it got good while the while the iron was hot, right? And Panini's Correct. over overproducing like crazy LCSs and I don't blame them at all are charging crazy amounts of money for boxes and you're starting to see the prices come back down and I think they're gonna continue to come back down to a certain extent um because I I just who can afford three thousand dollar boxes of cards two thousand dollar boxes of card when there's literally a potential for no return on investment at all and I've said this before even when Ja and Zion's rookie class. I mean, I was opening boxes of Prism at 400 bucks, and I had two boxes where I didn't even get a base Ja or Zion out of two hobby boxes. So luckily that draft class was pretty good, um, and I was able to grade some of the other stuff and, and make my money back. But, I mean, that's crazy. Like, what was what was Prism this year? 2000 a box? And I couldn't imagine opening a box – for two grand and not getting a single Anthony Edwards or a LaMelo base card, nonetheless. You know what I mean? Yeah, that would be heartbreaking. It's super heartbreaking, and my wife would be super pissed. <laughs> $2,000, <laughs> it's crazy. You just you just don't tell them that part. You just kind of leave that out. Uh, yeah, eventually those bills come in, though. But, you know, it's just uh, – and I think that's where you have to kind of like – adapt do your research and and figure out what works best for you so for me i kind of went through this i've got thousands and i mean literally thousands of cards and boxes in my in my guest room closet and i've had to slowly kind of go through them figure out what the best route was as far as grading them and moving them to get some of that money back um and so for me it was I send a ton of PSA, so I'm waiting for, I think, five or six PSA subs to come back. And then recently, I was just like, you know what? CSG's new, um, and I've talked about this before, where people in the hobby are pretty um, snooty. Um, you know, they got their pinkies up and their nose in the air, and that people don't like the new grading companies. I, I'm on the opposite side of that spectrum. I think it's great. So I sent 300 and something cards to CSG with the $8 no subgrades. Let's just get these cards graded and get them out of here. You know what I mean? Have Absolutely. you, did you um, grade? Did you ever, I know me and you for a while, we're always kind of going back and forth with like, man, I need to grade some stuff. I need to grade. Did you ever do a mass exodus and send stuff off for grading? No, but I have a pile that I'm looking at right now that I have been building as I continue to look through cards. And the the one that always frustrates me is I still have a Bowman's Best Atomic Ronald Acuna rookie card that's raw. 
Wow. <laughs> that so that those uh, oh. people hate on those Bowman vests, but I I love them. I like them a lot, especially the Atomics. Um, we should think about sending that Express, or I don't even know what it's called anymore with PSA. And, yeah, or a, if it, or if it's a or if it's a keep forever, and you don't care about the the resale value of it as much, maybe send it to HGA and get one of those funky slabs. I have no issues with the HGA slabs. I, I, I like actually kind of I kind of like the look. I know, and I mean that's that's the thing with with anything that you do. I mean, people are gonna always want to try to stick with the the number one and the number two and they don't want to give the, you know, the secondary cards or the younger people coming up, but man, in in five years and, and the technology that they're using, you know, if they do things right and, and they treat people right and they, you know, return cards when they say they're going to return them. I mean, there's no telling HGA could be number one. They, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a long road, to see, you know, PSA and BGS come down from the ranks, but in the in the current economy that we're in, I am surprised that it hasn't already happened. I mean, when you have a a company of that size basically say we are no longer accepting cards, for me right there, you know, as, as somebody who's been in the hobby for this long, I was like, I am not sending any more cards to PSA. Right. Like, I completely scratched PSA from my list. And then to see BGS follow suit, you know, a couple months later, I mean, that was frustrating as well because it's like, man, this was your your opportunity to, like, really, you know, grow and kind of and try to, you know, make that gap even smaller between the two companies. And I think, you know, with the people that it's CSG is who you just sent some to. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they, one of the guys they brought on board was from BGS and so, and he was very well known in the, in the, you know, with Pokemon with, you know, DBZ and those cars, he was well known for, for the way that he graded. I mean, I read a, a pretty good article in, in response to him, but I, I can't remember why he left, but it, it's kind of interesting if you, if you try to dig into it and, and learn about the people associated with the newer companies. Well, and it's, it's a, uh, so for me, like I, I'm probably, and you said it too, so you agree with me, I think, but like, I, I really like the way the HGA slabs look i like the fact that they do the team colors or the custom labels um just like kind of like some of the comic books with cgc um so i i really liked it but the thing that was frustrating for me with them was i i tried that lottery system that they have for a month or two and i never even got close so you know and this is why i think there's room to grow is like for other slab companies if they if they make a legitimate push like i think hga is csg is is like um you know i looked for something else and there was csg with the eight dollar bulk and i was like perfect let's do it and i don't mind even sending some cards that maybe would be worth a lot more with psa but that's okay i just want to get them graded and, and see what happens i i even um now that i'm thinking about it i did send a chase young i think it was a red white and blue to csg but i, I sent that for you so whenever that comes back that's yours um talk about a cool looking card it's a really cool looking card oh yeah I, um 
But yeah, it's just like what you said with PSA and BGS, like people were arguing with me. Um, people were, because I, right from the get go, I was, I was very vocal about like, man, this is complete bullshit. It's just a straight up money grab. Just like with everything else with the, the higher print runs, the triple charges on boxes. It's just the grading companies did the same thing. Like I understand like them having to raise their prices because of the amount of volume so they could hire more people or get a bigger space. But you don't go from $8 a card to 25 to 50 to $100 to grade a single card in a matter of months without it being a money grab. And I, and that's just my opinion. And I kind of don't care if anyone else thinks otherwise, because it's just, to me, it's complete bullshit. So, because you can't, you can't figure out how to price your stuff and, and stay on track with, with dates and return times. Your solution to that is quadruple charge me for a service that's not dependable or reliable at all. What other business, what other company or business could you be in with those type of reactions to your customer and still be in business? Well, at the current moment, that would be the building industry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, lumber, lumber got up about 800%. I know within the past year, the PVC pipe and anything that I buy dealing with resin is up 100 to 150%. Wow. And, and that's kind of where, you know, I wanted, I actually wanted to touch base on this is, is it's, it's supply and demand. It's basically simple economics. So right. we have, we have all these people coming into the industry. So from 2019 to 2020, you saw everything getting purchased. It wasn't just the 2019 prism. People were going back to the 1992 upper deck to chase that Jordan. People were going back to all the excess 1989 Fleer to hit the King Griffey, the 1989 upper deck. It didn't just take the current supply that we had. It took the backlog supply that we had. So the supply in the hobby on an overall scheme was, was reduced tremendously over the past two years. So then, you know, the Paninis and the, tops so now they've got to create supply they've got to produce additional material well what happens is your supply is is still high well eventually or your yeah the supply was high but then the demand outgrows your supply so then all of a sudden they're producing to try to catch up well when they do that they actually go above and beyond where the supply needs to go so then that's when you start to see the reduction and, and the prices start to level out and come down. And, you know, people that are fairly new to the hobby say, oh, my gosh, the it's crashing and it's going away. But that's where if you can really, you know, look beyond even the stock market, you're going to have valuations and fluctuations on a, on a daily basis. If you can be OK with the ups and downs with with your personal collection or, you know, even some of your investments, it will, it will always kind of level out to a certain extent. And then whenever a player wins MVP or, or whenever they're about to, you know, play for the finals or different things like that, that's when the, the people that you still got me. Do what?
You there? I can, I can hear you. You got me okay. again? Yeah, I got you. But yeah, but Sorry. That's just where... Oh, no, you're fine, man. You're going you're gonna to fix it. You're going to make it look all pretty. I'll try. But, I mean, that's where, you know, there's always going to be that that they're going to overreact and they're going to produce too much. And then it's going to cause the market to soften, which I call it soften. I don't call it crash because that would be like, you know, when the Dow Jones decreases by, you know, 300 points in a day, it's, it's not crashing. It's just responses to, you know, what's going on in the world. I mean, and, and that's affecting the hobby. I mean, if you really think about breaks from, 2019 to 2020 you know and especially when that the pandemic hit i mean it was an outlet for a ton of people yep. i mean if 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 you even look at where we were with cardboard mafia you know we all had a little additional time on our hands because you know we weren't going to restaurants we weren't going to movies i mean i, I used to go to the grocery store every single day because i liked my meat fresh but then right. I started going to the grocery store one day a week. Right. So it's just, you know, that, you know, 15 to 20 minutes that I was giving up a day and it, it just created all this additional time for people. And then you don't have sports betting. You don't have gambling. I mean, it created tons of new people within our hobby. And I think that really affected the card prices because I think people started seeing that you know, where they wanted to take their investments and they started moving investments into the hobby, which is a good thing because a lot of the people that are investing, they're not investing to flip. And then when people start talking about the Jordan PSA 10, well, oh my gosh, somebody paid 400,000 or 700,000. Well, in my head, I'm like, well, this is the same person that, you know, has bought it for 10. And it's probably the same person that's buying it for a hundred, and it's probably the same person that's buying it for two fifty. So if this person's looking at supply and demand, and they're getting a hold on a PSA ten market, and then it, it reduces the amount that's out for people to to be able to purchase, it's going to increase the price again. Yeah. So what do you think about to back to PSA and BGS? So what about when they clear all this backlog? Supposedly, do you think we're going to see another major correction? Or do you think um, you think we're already there and the prices are going to be where they are? I don't. I don't believe you can. It, it depends on what their what their goal as a company is. Do right. you want to? Do you want to add on additional people with the additional expenses to be able to handle the influx of the people into the hobby that are looking to me as a as a personal collector, I want to protect my personal collection. So for me, a lot of the cars that I would send in for grading aren't necessarily for resale or, you know, to gain that investment capital from the original card. So for me as a, a, a collector, I'm not going to pay $50 per card. Right. I mean, I'm not going to, I wouldn't even pay 25 when they raised it from 12 to 15 i was like there's no way like what what am i paying for that's different what is the i mean you're a service company so what additional service are you providing me to where i can make sense of even a three dollar increase and then the pricing just kept going up so being in a service industry i can't just go to a customer and be like hey here's a 
ball valve that you buy on a daily basis, but instead of $6, I'm going to start charging you $12. Or and 35 like, just because we feel like it. Exactly. So from a, from a being in a service industry, I was completely turned off, like 100%. And I mean, I, I was going to send, I think I was up to like 200 cards that I had ready to send off. But then they raised it $3 and I got mad. So I was like, <laughs> here I am kind of laughing at myself. Like, okay, if I would have seen another crazy increase coming, I should have just bit the bullet and it's in my entire collection. Right. Well, and that's where I, maybe I framed the question wrong. So what I was, what I was saying is um, what do, what do you think the market's going to do when we'll take Zion for instance, right? And PSA said they're going to clear their entire backlog before they open back up. So I don't know what the pop, pop count is on Zion is right now for a prison PSA 10, but like, what do you think the price on that card is going to do when they do clear their backlog? Do you think it's going to, you think it's settled where it's at now, or do you think we're going to see another significant drop, which this question doesn't, doesn't bode well for my trade with you for the LeBron, but oh well. Oh no, that's fine. I think, I think it actually, I mean, that's, that's tough. If I'm looking at it from a perspective right now that Zion's not playing basketball and they're about to fill this backlog, I think the yeah. price will decrease. But then as the preseason starts and, and depending what kind of work he puts in during the off season, you know, the, the hype and the excitement will definitely get people excited again. And then if he comes out in the first game and, you know, he hits a James Harden step back on somebody, it, it's completely going to go in the opposite direction. It's going to increase drastically. So that's where, you know, you're going to have – it's overpopulation on the base cards, but it still has a price point that it will be able to maintain. But over the right. next two to three years, initially it will decrease. But I think with what he could possibly do and and – just kind of seeing the type of work that he does and just how strong he is. I mean, he is a completely different type of player. If he can learn to, you know, do some of the things one-on-one -on -one that some of the better players in the NBA can, your top 10 players. I mean, that if he learns how to, to do some of those things one-on-one, -on -one, dude, that, that the ceiling will be a little higher. I mean, I don't see it getting back up from the base level, I don't see it increasing drastically. I mean, I think you can see your numbered cards definitely holding value and increasing, but but your base cards and even your silvers, I don't I don't think they'll increase much more. So I don't know how much you followed Zion uh, this season. So I was I wasn't a Zion hater. I just for me, I wasn't a believer as much as some of our friends were, and uh, but then. Uh, this year I started looking at his numbers and he, he, at one point he was number three in the league in efficiency, which I thought was crazy. I like, I could not believe that he was number three in efficiency. So he is right there. I think um, even though he plays in the NBA, I think he could probably still use a good dietitian and uh, uh, a fitness routine more than a weight routine and just, I mean, that's that's so much force and power on your knees, right? And that's the thing I, I would worry about with Zion is if he has one knee, like if he has one knee injury, it might be rough for him to come back and get in shape and do those things. But 
I mean, he's proven me wrong so far. I don't, I don't think he's fat, but I think he could definitely use, uh, I think he, he would be better off if he dropped a few pounds, honestly. And I don't think the power is going to go anywhere or the um, explosion. If anything, it'll be crazier, but we'll see. He's still super young. I agree, but a, a player of his his build and physique. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, you saw him with with LeBron a couple of times, and LeBron's one of the stronger guys in the league, and yep. he's just like bouncing off of him. So I mean, yeah. he's if if he truly figures out a way to consistently knock down a jump shot. He will probably – he's a generational talent if that happens. Yep. No, I think so, that, too. I mean, that's where, you know, you look at his size and his speed. I mean, he is he's one of God already. And, I mean, he's he's only in his second year, getting ready to go on his third year. And, as you said, he is number three efficiency. I mean, the the things that he could be capable of – I mean, I've always liked Zion. He's from South Carolina, so I, I kind of give him a, a little more props than I would most people at this stage in their career. But, I mean, he came with heavy accolades into a very yep. loaded Duke program and played right. team basketball. Yep. So when I saw that and then I saw what he did, you know, when he, when he finally was healthy in the NBA, I, I mean, I'm kind of on board with it. I mean, I, I saw it when he was coming in. I mean, just what he did, you know, kind of in the hobby right before things changed with the pandemic was amazing. And and I kind of saw it. I was like, I really think he's going to change the hobby. I was telling my wife, if you see any basketball, I don't care what it is by it. And I mean, that's kind of how I approached it, getting kind of back into the hobby. And I mean, that's where... You know, you look at podcasts, you look at Instagram, you look at Twitter, Facebook, all these different outlets that you have now, Slabstock, COMC, eBay. I mean, the outlets to be able to grow your investments and, and sometimes at a really good price is is crazy. Like the amount of time as a, as a collector or even you know, somebody who has just opened up a card store that you can spend on this hobby is crazy. Like I, you can just, I could just sit there and look at comps all day and, and look through my cards all day. I mean, it's, it's amazing, you know, what technology has done for the hobby. And and I think it's going to take it even further. I mean, with the technology they they're going to add with the grading to where, you know, it's going to be a machine grading the card and then a person checking over it. I think once they get that capability down, I think it will help to speed up the process. So uh, just as you're talking, I was listening. But so Zion right now, what's today? June 22nd, right? Um, there is 14,328 PSA 10 of his prism base. Last one just sold on bids tonight for $395. So that's still, I mean, wow. that's still pretty good. Um, amazing. Yeah. 
So we'll see. I, maybe we'll revisit this in a couple months, and I'll bring you back on, and I'll, I'll look up these numbers, and we'll see where Zion's at, and if it's 30,000 PSA 10s or whatever it may be, and we'll see what the price is doing. But I, I, I agree, though. I don't think it's going to go down. I don't think it's going to go down too much more than it is now, maybe in the offseason a little bit. But uh, you really got to do your research, and the, the market trends are not what they were two years ago. So the pricing is a little funky. Um, you know, traditionally, I think you would think right before the season, and then when the season started, if someone did good, the prices would go up. But <clears throat> I feel like what I'm seeing is like baseball, for instance, those prices all kind of went up before the preseason started with the hype of the season about to start, and then they've kind of leveled off. You know, you get your one off. So if someone does something amazing or does something good, it kind of puts the price up a little higher or lower, depending on what they're doing. But yeah, it's just the market trends and stuff are so different than what I think it traditionally used to be. So, and I think it's just because of the sheer amount of people and everybody is looking for that next thing to get into, right? Correct. So, but um, man, we've we've been talking for an hour and a half you and I is there is there anything else you wanted to touch on or, or go over I mean I feel like I you know it's easy conversation with you so we could probably just keep going but oh yeah I could I mean I'm I'm already 30 minutes past my bedtime man I'm proud of myself <laughs> stayed engaged I mean, locked and loaded I mean there's still so many things you can talk about and Honestly, this is the first time I have ever even done a podcast, as we mentioned before. So right. I was kind of not certain what to expect, but this is definitely something I could sit here and talk all day about. I mean, that's how awesome I think sports cards are and the hobby and, and just the the lessons you can, you know, teach kids and even some adults. I mean, there's there's people out there that have never had you know, income to be able to, to put into a stock or to, you know, even buy a pack of cards because it's just never been there. But that's the right. one thing you're seeing now is that, you know, the older generation, it was all about passive income and like just keeping things like the money in the house or the money in the stock market and they would leave it there. Whereas I feel like, you know, our generation and even the younger generation you know, there's a lot more movement with that money. It's not just really sitting in one place. So, you know, sneakers were, were doing really well. So there were tons of, of younger people getting involved in the sneakers. And then you see the, the uptick in the cards. And, and, you know, and that's what you said. People are looking for the next thing. And that's where you have comic books. And then you start seeing the tickets. And then, I mean, there's so many different avenues I, I really think the people that are able to leverage you know a good and it's a portfolio instead of a stock portfolio it's a hobby portfolio the people that are able to leverage the different areas will, will be the ones that will be able to sustain and, and you know build things that you know you never really thought about five ten years ago so it's going to be really interesting to see not only where the sports card hobby goes, but where, you know, hobbies in general, that they all kind of correlate together. I'm excited. No, I for agree. It. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, 
out of all my investments and my collection and like you said the the asset management of it all i think um even for me so i'm i'm in my late 30s i don't have a ton of money in stocks i have my my i'm diversified in a bunch of different things a little bit of crypto i do have a couple stocks um but i have the comic book thing has come on strong the cards have come on strong um the tickets and then most recently i got into a couple of the vhs stuff but that's more for me and the tickets are is for me too not not so much as much as an investment to sell down the line but maybe i just think there are things that are nice to have that maybe someday if i die my son will have it and he'll remember or you know my grandkids or whoever will get left with the stuff and it'll be cool things for someone to have and maybe cherish like i do so i mean especially if you like sports like i do i'm i just I love sports and anything related to sports. I just, like I said before, it's that sentimental value of having things. And then at the end of the day, if it ends up being worth some money, like some Jordan Fleer rookie 8.5s, and you can buy an outdoor kitchen or grill for the wife, then, dude, so be it. And uh, it was all worth it in the end, right? So Exactly. But, um, you know, you're going to have to try to post me up when we get together, right? Oh man. So that's a, that's a funny thing is, uh, two things. Like I, I only listen to this podcast tonight. I'll do the edits and then tomorrow I'll think of things that I should have talked about or I wanted to talk about and didn't. And then for you tomorrow, listening to yourself is kind of weird. And I wanted to bring up the basketball thing, but we kind of ran out of time, but don't worry. I'll, I'll let the game speak for itself when we meet for sure. I can't can't wait. It has to be videotaped so I can have evidence that you just can't handle it. (laughs) we'll see we will see for sure but john i'll start playing once a week man you're in trouble are you yeah well so you you got me there i haven't played uh, man there was a period three years ago where i was playing in two or three leagues um so i was playing four or five nights a week and then i haven't really played in three years i actually shot a basketball last weekend um just played horse with my buddy that played at um he played at stetson down at in delanda oh, yeah. florida yeah. um so i played horse with him the other day and you know that it's like riding a bike the shot just doesn't go away so that is very we'll true I, m- I might need a little a warm-up game or two but uh we'll play for sure sounds good we'll have to we'll have to put a, a friendly wager of some sort on it but we'll definitely play so you're saying bring the lebron no, I need to get that thing way before that, just in case. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But hey, listen, I, I 100% appreciate you coming on and spending the last hour and a half talking to me about all kinds of stuff. Um, and this is what it's about for me is I just I want to have good conversations with people. I want people, like you said, to say like, hey, my commute home or in some downtime, I listen to the podcast and it was a good listen and a good conversation. And that And that's what it's about for me. I don't really care if this thing... I don't care if it's just me and you that listen to it tomorrow or a bunch of people listen to it. It is what it is. I'm just happy to do it and have good conversations. So I appreciate it. Thanks for yeah, coming man, on I, with me. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time. And I'll, uh, I'm going to DM you some photos right now, some stuff. So Sounds good. Cool. Thanks, man. All right. Appreciate it, Don. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Break of Wax podcast. Please, if you enjoyed it, share it. 
um, send the link out, put it on your story. I welcome all feedback and comments. Send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about, what you want to talk about. And if you want to be a guest on the show, I answer all my DMs. I think it's weird when people don't. That's another story for another day. Again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the support and all the love. Peace.